0: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Boldly Pursuing Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Henderson. Here we have conversations with friends who are stepping out and doing what God has called them to do in order to help encourage you to do the very same. We have such a fun episode for you today, but first... I need to ask if you are loving this podcast, if it has encouraged you at all, would you do us a huge favor? If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, would you scroll down and leave us a five-star rating and a short review? And if you are listening on Spotify, would you give us a five-star rating? We found out that the Boldly Pursuing Podcast is in the top 1.5% of all podcasts like all podcasts in the world, which is absolutely insane. But I truly believe that this podcast is changing lives, that we are doing what God has called us to do. And when we get ratings and reviews, it really helps new people to find the podcast. So if you would take a quick second before we start to do that, I would be so, so grateful. So, Today's conversation, I have my new friend, Ryan George on. And when I tell you, this was a very incredible conversation. I didn't know where this conversation was going to go, if I'm being honest, because Ryan is an adrenaline junkie. He has been to all seven continents. He has walked on airplanes, like as they're flying in the air. I don't know how, but he has. He's done ice wall climbing, bungee jumping, skydiving, you name it. So I was like, I don't know what we're going to have in common, but this ended up being one of my very favorite conversations. We talk about how Jesus cares about what your passions are, how you don't have to be a missionary or get a paycheck from your local church to make an impact on the kingdom of God. We talk about building personal brands and where the line blurs between if we are building our brand for Jesus or if we're just slapping the name of Jesus on our brand to gain followers. And we really dive into a lot of really interesting topics, some deep topics that I think people have a lot of questions or thoughts about thoughts about and we just completely went there. So I am so excited for you guys to hear this conversation with Ryan. All right, Ryan, I welcome to the podcast. I'm pretty excited for this.
1: Oh, I'm stoked. I've been looking forward to this one for a couple of weeks.
0: Oh man, I feel like oh, we could have just recorded a whole podcast just in our conversation before we actually started recording. So first off, I want you to kind of introduce, introduce yourself, but I feel like this is going to be the most interesting introduction a guest has done.
1: Thank you. Wow. <sighs> Yeah, so when I pitched this book that uh, I'm, you know, supporting here with the interview, um, one of the lines that we use was, "If the Dos Equis man were your pastor, this is the book he would write." I was trying to be the most interesting person in the room. Uh, so thank you for acknowledging that. So my name is Ryan George. I'm an adventurist by day. I'm a virtual assistant in the auction industry. I help auctioneers advertise their auctions, and that is what Bob Goff calls fundraising for all the stuff that I like to do in life, which is on nights and weekends. So. Uh, I co-lead a men's spiritual community. We got guys from four different churches that attend, and uh, we just push each other towards Jesus. I lead a serving team at my church. I'm married to a missions director and a women's pastor. Uh, We have an adopted daughter that just came into our life a few years ago. She's in college right now. And um, yeah, so I traveled all over the world looking for meaning and acceptance and a whole bunch of things that all of us are looking for, usually on social media. And Instead, I found a God who was pursuing me. And I bumped into them on all seven continents, both polar circles. I've jumped off of buildings, mountains, airplanes. I do a bunch of crazy things that you're going to tell your mom that you can't believe somebody does. And you're going to tell your kids never to try.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, you you definitely just won the award for... Like wildest intro. Just I, I jump <laughs> off of planes, jump off of buildings. Like, yeah, you're, I think you're the first guest that we've had. <laughs> Include that in their intro. So I have been reading through this book. Um, the title of your book is Scared to Life. I'm gonna be honest. When they pitched me your book to be a guest on the show, I was like, this person and I could not be more different. <laughs> But then we got to talking before we started recording about, you know, uh, risk-taking and how you jump off of buildings and uh, we farm and ranch. Like, maybe we have more in common than we thought we do.
1: And I've had people tell me, I can never do what you do, you know, ice climbing and uh, surfing in the Arctic or whatever. And I said, yeah, but you have three kids under six. Like, you're on a much grander adventure than I'll ever be. Um, My sisters are not into the things that I do. Most of them have hand-glided with me, but... Um, not into some of the extreme things that I do, but man, the risks that they're taking to be good moms and to be attentive and to grow kids that love Jesus. I mean, and that's quite the grand adventure and farming for sure. Your livelihood is dependent on the weather. Yeah. What
0: could go wrong there? Yeah. Never. Which I mean, yeah, we are, we are in such a severe drought right now where we are. I mean, Everyone here is freaking out because we've mm-hmm. already had to swath our Milo down and turn it into uh, hay. So we didn't have a Milo harvest. We're having to start feeding hay like way early to the cattle. Oh, I mean, it's just, but I, mean, I feel like, yeah, I told you I didn't grow up in this way of life. I married into it and it's, you don't get used to it, but you, you kind of just learn to go. You develop with it.
1: a tolerance. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of wild probably to outside people looking in. We're like, yeah, we don't, we don't know if we're going to pay our bills this year. Like <laughs> there's no grass, there's no crops, but. I mean, well, and I you, work on the other side of it,
1: right? It. So a lot of the auctions yeah. that I advertise are farm credit auctions where yeah. it didn't go well, you know? Yeah. And so I don't I don't take my job lightly. I see it as a ministry. If I can help a farmer's wife get out from as much debt as possible so they can get on with their life, mm-hmm. I mean, you're doing God's work in their life, you know?
0: Yeah, I love that. Uh, we're going to talk about that too. Uh, okay. <laughs> doing God's work. We, yeah. Oh, we, I've got lots of things to say. I told you, I have never underlined so much in a book to get ready for an interview. Cause I'm just like, for what I expected going into this, like, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I run from fear. Like I I'm the opposite, which we'll talk about that too. But I just, there is so much goodness in here. So man, thank you. Were you, were you always, did you always chase adventure like that? Like even from childhood?
1: No, not like I do now. That's a disposable income thing. It's also uh, an insecurity thing. Uh, so I was bullied a lot in middle school. Um, my parents pulled me out and homeschooled me. And back when I was homeschooled in the early 90s, there weren't the resources for community that you know homeschool parents have now. And so I was really behind. I showed up to college woefully behind everybody else. And I started college, not one of the cool kids. And so then right after college, I got hired by the largest land auction company in the world at the time. And I started getting money and, and choices and freedom and days off. And I and then right at that time we got Facebook and you know Instagram and all those other ones that came out shortly after. And it was like this is how I'm going to prove the world that I'm worth something. And so I call it digital courage. Like some people drink to get liquid mm-hmm. courage to ask the girl out or whatever. For me, in the mid 2000s, when I would turn that GoPro on, all of a sudden I had courage to do things that just incredibly scared me, just because I knew I'd get likes, comments, and shares and respect to my friends. Um, the problem is, as Solomon told us in Ecclesiastes, that stuff wears off. It has an expiration. So yeah, those likes are great, but they only last for like two, three days. And then, then what, what are you going to do after that? Mm-hmm. And so thankfully I started doing these adventures with people of faith who were very intuitive. People who had a lot more life experience than me and really cool journeys with Jesus. And I was able to start looking for Jesus in all my trips. And so I was able to change it from instead of going backpacking to go looking for Jesus while I backpack and, he promises multiple times in the Bible, if you seek me, particularly if you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. And so I've just found him all over the place.
0: That's so cool. I think so many times we we think that Jesus isn't going to be where we're going. Like, it, <laughs> right? you know, like we're going to go somewhere that he's not. So talking about like chasing these adventures and these passions, this is something I'm I'm really passionate about, ironically, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> You tell a story in the book about something a pastor said to you. And I have actually been having these conversations recently because I think this is coming up a lot. This is a huge theme for people about what he said to you about, like that your passion was materialistic. So will you tell that story and talk on that <laughs> a second? Because I I was, I was like ready to fight him.
1: <laughs> yeah, so was I. Uh, I'm bigger than him now, so yeah. I, I probably could. Yeah, so I grew up on a the major highway that goes into Ocean City, Maryland. A quarter of a million cars passed my house every weekend, and I fell in love with the design of cars. I got my granddad's uh, hand-me-down popular mechanics and popular science, and I was just this before the internet. You know, I'm just I was so into cars. I designed hundreds of car ideas. One of the ideas that I designed for pickup trucks became part of the F150 while I was in college. Wow. And I wanted to go to college to become an automotive designer, like that's or maybe a journalist. So I ended up getting a writing degree. And it didn't work out. But as those passions were expressing themselves, particularly in high schools, I started trying to figure out how to, what do I do with this and how do I make a life of this? Yeah, my pastor said, hey, there's no cars in heaven. That what you love doesn't interest Jesus. And you're just materialistic. And, um, that stuck with me for a while. Well, fast forward and the the story in the book goes through all the different things that happened where now my primary ministry happens around vehicles every weekend. I, I co-lead the uh, parking lot ministry at my church. We've got six parking lots, tons of cars, hundreds of cars every Sunday that I'm interacting with people. People have given their life to Christ right next to me on the asphalt. I've had a stranger collapse into my arms crying when her daughter died because she just knew that I would hold her. You know, we've seen marriages put together, um, addictions eradicated. all kinds of amazing things happen in a parking lot. And it was like, Oh no, no, no. God put something in me for cars. So I'd want to be outside all weathers for, we get all four seasons here in the mountains of Virginia. Um, and I love it. It was raining a few, I mean, it was just bucket raining a couple Sundays ago and people were like, we're sorry out here. I was like, no, I'm playing like this. Is, yeah. This is four-year-old me and Crocs getting his in splashing puddles, man. And, and God wired me that way. Now, did I get into automotive design? No. Did I get to do a bunch of cool stuff with cars? Yeah, I've worked with Mini uh, USA to do some of their advertising. I've been a spokesperson for cars. I've kind of do a whole bunch of really cool things around cars. Um, but those were the accoutrement or decoration around what Jesus destined for me to lead. I lead a team of, I don't know, 14, 15 people right now. I am discipling people while we park cars beforehand, while we're praying, group texts, taking people out to uh, breakfast and lunch or whatever. Jesus is like, no, I wired you that way. It's not materialistic to like cars. That's just the bait I used to get you into the ministry I wanted you to do. Oh,
0: yeah, that's powerful. Well, and I think I, so often you write about this later in the book, too, about sometimes we think we have to like start a 501c3 charity or get a paycheck <laughs> from our church to be making a difference. And I look around at my life, at the people that are like actually making huge differences and bringing people to Jesus? And is it some people from the church? Yeah. But also, it's people that aren't getting a paycheck from their church. I mean, I look Mm -hmm. at my husband. He's been a Christian for, I think, like six years now. He didn't didn't grow up strong in the faith. And that man, he's a farmer and a rancher. He brings more people to Jesus. And I'm just like, I'm just like, I mean... he he saw the transforming power. He saw what happened in his life and it just pours out of him. And it's just like such a cool thing to watch because I think a lot of us really believe the lie that God doesn't care about our passions unless it's ministry. You know, like that maybe he didn't put those within us if we're passionate about, you know, farming or business or whatever it might be. You put words to what I think a lot of us Mm. really feel. Because I think... I mean I felt that before and I know so many friends that have too. So I think for for you to just be able to name it just kind of shuts that lie down for us, which is just really cool. And it's and it's so cool to see like like you said even in your story about like cars and what what that's turned into like ministry-wise, I just think I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And there's quiet moments, you know, it's not all happening even connected to a church. There's all these, and there's so many of them that we don't know we ministry until years ago. I was just uh, talking to a friend this morning. Uh, Monday, I had a friend reach out to me. Her husband got put in a hospital. I was thinking some uh, suicidal thoughts and got in a deep depression. And we hadn't served together in more than two years. Uh, she, we, I hadn't seen them since before the pandemic serving with us in the parking lot. But when their life got crazy they knew they could reach out to me, right? Like they knew, Mm -hmm. oh, that was a safe place. And so many times our ministry for people is just giving a safe place for them to be their full human self One of the things, it's so interesting to me, the faith system I grew up in really wanted to push down our humanity and the parts of us that made us human. And Mm -hmm. there's a verse in the Old Testament. It's one of the prophets. And he said, God came to remove, he offered to remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. In other words, make us more human. And he dignified humanity by embodiment. He became incarnate, you know, Emmanuel. And so he made it, if humans were made in the image of God. One of the ways that we can be most like God is to be our most human self. And so when we give people permission to be their full human, then yeah. that is ministry. And that it doesn't always end in here's our Romans road or here's our verse, or it doesn't doesn't always end with even let me pray for you, though it usually does. It's 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 bigger than that.
0: Yeah, I love that. You also talk about something in here that I think it it kind of hit me. I had never thought about it like this before, where you talk about asking jesus for permission instead of his blessing or that that's how you used to A touch on that for me for a second because i was like well shoot that really hits home
1: yeah i think a lot of us we want to make we want jesus we pray for wisdom right like god help me make a good decision and then would you bless my decision as if he's like our cabinet or our advisor um, which i mean he is he is the counselor he has the source of wisdom he said in james anything that we anytime we ask for wisdom he'll give not just a little give a lot so that part is true but that's not what he wants to be he wants to be the lord of our lives and so i've made horrible decisions when i said god this is what i want to do whether you want me to do it or not will you bless it versus when i get to a spot and i go oh god like this all makes sense it checks all the boxes but do you want me to walk through this door right here and I'm going to let you decide if I do or I don't. And what I found is when I ask him to bless, sometimes he does. But a lot of times he just lets the consequences of my own choices run their course. And it's not like he's up there trying to whip me or chastise yeah. me or whatever. He's just like, all right, well, let's, you have that as a parent, right? Sometimes you go, the the best training of this is just to let my kid have the, you know, they stay up late eating nothing but ice cream till midnight. I'm going to let them have the consequences the next morning. Yeah. right? Yeah, right. I think there's sometimes that Jesus is like that as, as a parent with us just go, no, I'm just going to let those consequences run their course. And I've lost tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars making stupid decisions that made sense on paper, but I didn't mm-hmm. ask Jesus for permission. I asked for his blessing.
0: Yeah. That like, I-, I feel like that just, I have so many situations like running through my head right now where I'm <laughs> like, oh, yep, uh-huh. I-, I can see that very much playing out. So yeah, it's just, I, I feel like, you you have such a good way of opening these things up, these conversations that it's like things we all know, but none of us have known how to put them into words. So I just want to say you've done an excellent job. I oh, mean, really, this is this has been so fun to just read, read your story and and get to talk to you about, you know, I said earlier, I run from fear. And that, that's not fully true anymore. But, you know, I think there's you talking here about fear always births something in us or how did you write how did you put it talking about um all of our greatest accomplishments are birthed in fear. And I think that's just like that's mind blowing when you think about, right? I mean that's when you start to think about it you're like, "Well, holy holy moly, that's true, isn't it?"
1: I had a teenage guy, he's he's uh he just turned I think he's 18 and he came across the crosswalk in our parking lot and I'm friends with his dad and he just lost his mom, so like he's He's opening his circle of friendship up beyond what his parents were. And he said, hey, I'm going to ask this girl out. But I'm Uh so nervous. He never asked a girl out before. And I said, well, one, do it. I'm cheering you on. It sounds like you got some good odds. And it did. It worked out in his favor. She said yes. And I think they're going to become an item here. But I said, here's the deal. You being nervous is good. Because if you weren't nervous, then the reward is less, right? Like when I jump, so I love bungee jumping. I'm getting ready to go to Peru to get my sixth continent for bungee jumping. And people think, (laughs) yeah, but people, people think, oh, Ryan's not scared. I was like, no, no, no. I have to wet myself almost (laughs) right before I do this every time. But there is a, there is a principle there that the more scared I am, the more of those rewarding body chemicals like adrenaline, norepinephrine, uh, dopamine, all these other chemicals mm-hmm. that we get in our body, the more we get, the more scared we are. So there's a point, there's a point, and I don't know that it's proportional, that the more scared we are, the greater the reward. Well, the same thing is true in our faith. You can't have faith without doubt, fear, or both. Like you just, you can't. Because if you mm-hmm. if you don't have any doubts and you're not scared, then it's not faith, it's religion. So if the just shall live by faith, then our faith, Our lives have to constantly have something in it that makes us question what we're hearing from God, what we're reading from God, or question ourselves or doubt or fear or whatever. But what happens is after you make that surrender, the reward is amazing. And so sometimes when I pray over people, they say, hey, will you pray for me? I had this really hard decision to make, this really hard obedience to do, this really big surrender i was say, like, God, will you reward them in such a way that this becomes habit-forming, just like those body chemicals in me are habit-forming for all these different adrenaline sports that I'm in. Because I found that true in my faith. Once you've baptized somebody, so in our church, it's not the pastor who baptized you. Mm-hmm. It's the person who either introduced you to Jesus or helped you get to the place of getting baptized, right? And it could be your spouse. It could be a best friend or whatever. Um, I've dunked my sister, which I mean, try not crying through that. Yeah, you know? um, That feeling it's just like when I get off an airplane after we've been doing all the weird stuff in the sky, right? It's just like, oh, I want more of this. Give me, give me somebody else who hasn't been baptized. Let me trust yeah. them through life, right? Yeah. And so that's what I'm praying for people is, okay, yeah, you did the hard thing. You gave that big check instead of putting that in your 401k or whatever it was. May that become so rewarding that you want more of that. Because what I found in all these adventures and all these faith moments, both physical and spiritual and relational, is that if you focus on the reward, you can get through it. Right. And some of those rewards are cheap. The the likes, comments, shares, whatever on social media. But some of those are huge, like people writing a letter saying you changed your life. I Mm -hmm. wouldn't be where I am now without you. Right. And so, yeah, I try to get people to move towards it. Now, I'm not saying go stand in front of a train and see how long you can stand there before you (laughs) jump. I'm not saying do something that makes you crap yourself on a regular bit. I'm just saying when you have that voice from the Holy Spirit in the back of your head and you're uncomfortable and you're like, Oh, I don't want to do that. That's going to cost me my pride or my dignity or my money or whatever go. That's probably what you're supposed to be doing right
0: now. <laughs> yeah. So the first person I ever baptized was my husband.
1: Dude.
0: Yeah. That's and awesome. So our oldest son was or our oldest child. He was, I think like three, maybe four at the time. And we have a picture. He was sitting there watching as Jake came up out of the water. And then we got to baptize him about oh, like two no years way. ago. Yeah. And then uh, I'm a little, so like you're saying, because I'm getting pumped up just thinking about it. So this summer, I got to be the speaker for our middle school church camp. And I okay. was like, I had this moment where I was like, middle schoolers, like I don't like middle schoolers,
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't want to, I don't want to do like this. Themselves. Yeah,
0: I'm like, I don't want to do this, you know. And it was like, I had to like live at the church camp for a whole week, and I was oh, just like, this is this is not my That's idea of fun, life. right? It was, it was. <laughs> and I, at the end of the week, we had like 30 kids get baptized that week, oh, and I was like, I've never felt like this in my life. Like, just what. Like you have those moments where you're like, God, why are you asking me to go live with middle schoolers for a week? Like, I don't want to do this, you know. And then you see when you do get to see the reward of it, it is just like unparalleled because that's right. Yes, I guess it's like that adrenaline. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you chase adrenaline in like you know jumping off of airplanes and things like that. So for us that don't want to jump out of airplanes, <laughs> what? how do we start finding this adventure in the everyday or find finding this, I guess, I don't know if adrenaline is the right word, but this feeling that makes us live like that.
1: Yeah. I I need to tell people that I did not anticipate, I was not writing a pitch to people to try to go out on the wings of airplanes while they're doing aerobatic maneuvers. That's not what the book was about. I was just going, Hey, this is the extreme version of it, but let Mm -hmm. me explain. So there's two, two answers to that question. One is that all of us, have different things that scare us and different things we're comfortable. So my brother won't do some of the stuff that I do, but he'll eat food that I will never try. Right. And I have friends who will do things on a business perspective. Like I think farmers are more courageous than I am. I put off being a father. I didn't become a father till I was 41 years old. I was so scared of being a dad. And I know people who jump right into that. So one is to say, not all of us have the same fears and not all of us are called to do what everybody is called to do. The second part of that answer is all of us have something in the back of our head right now. If we're paying attention to the Holy Spirit, if we're praying, if we're reading His Word, if we're around other believers that we're feeling compelled to, and there's probably a reason we haven't. There's something that it costs us, and it doesn't have to be huge, but it can cost you dignity. I'll give you a story of this. One of my good friends, Creasy, uh, right before he came to Christ, one of the things that helped him meet Jesus was he was at a register at our local grocery store, and he was short. And so he could either use his company credit card, he didn't want to do that, or he could use the cash in his pocket, but he didn't have enough cash in his pocket. Some guy walks all the way from the front of the store over, puts the amount of change on the conveyor belt that he needed to complete the transaction. That guy didn't know how much. He just put what he was told to by the Holy Spirit and said, Jesus told me to give you this and walked away. So that dude got an assignment. That to me yeah. is crazier than going out on the wings of an airplane, if you ask me, right? Mm-hmm. I, I had one of those uh, a few years ago, my buddy Mounts. I was swimming laps in the Y. I hadn't seen Mounts in several months. Uh, he transitioned to a, a new church for his kids and stuff. And uh, and I just got this compulsion, pray for Mounts, and this is what you should pray. I was like, why would God tell me what to pray right back to him? Like, I, I did it. I get out. I get in the locker room. I text Mounts is like, hey, does this mean anything? Like I was prompted to pray this for you. And he's like, call me right now. And we both got goosebumps talking. He's like, how did you know? I said, I didn't know. Right. Those are weird things. Uh, It could be maybe a neighbor across the street has a different politician sign in their yard to invite them over for dinner or make them some cookies. Maybe it's somebody who nobody sits with and nobody talks to at church to go sit with them, invite them home for lunch. It could be sitting with unpopular parents at the baseball game. Right. Or whatever it is. right. Right. It can be any little thing. And if we try to manufacture it, so if you say, all right, I read Ryan's book, Ryan's book, I'm going to go, you know, bungee jumping or whatever. That's not it either, right? It's to go, no, no, no. What is God calling me to do? And there's a pastor out in California. I really like this one thing he says. His name is Erwin McManus. He's a pastor of Mosaic Church in Los Angeles. And he says, as we respond in obedience to the voice of God, his voice becomes louder and clearer, louder and clearer. And as we say no, it gets fainter and fainter and fainter. And so what happens is, is maybe there is something epic coming down the road. one of your maybe it's assignment number 17, but you don't get there until you do assignment one, two, three, and four. And so, yeah, maybe in our face someday we'll be doing trigonometry, but right now we have to find out if Sarah has three peanuts and her friend brings her two peanuts, <laughs> how many peanuts does she have? Right? Yeah. She has five. Um, and so we have to work on the assignments that we're given every day. And what happens is the more we say yes, the more those assignments come. And if, this may not be good news. They get bigger <laughs> over yeah. time and they're not always big, but you get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where I ended up with an African-American daughter who came, I was on a stand paddle boarding expedition up in Canada on a helicopter. I get back to civilization. I get a text from my wife. Oh, by the way, we now have a young lady living in our <clears> house. I fly back to America and boom, I'm a dad all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. God knew I wasn't ready for that. I had to go through a whole series of surrenders before that happened And the unorthodox way she came to live with us is such that our adoption judge says, I have never heard of this set up in my career in law. we're like, yeah, neither have we. (laughs) But Jesus orchestrated all of that Mm -hmm. because I'd said yes to so many other moments. And yeah, for 18 years of marriage, I didn't want to be a dad. But now he's showing me things about himself through fatherhood that I would have never chosen for myself. He blessed me against my will, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, right against our So talking about obedience, you said something in there. And I feel like sometimes people think obedience is like this, like like a bad word, you know, or something. So a year and a half ago, we so we used to go on custom harvest. So we took our combine and all of our equipment, and Jake would be gone from about May to there was one year he pulled the combines in the driveway, December twenty third. So oh, like wow. eight months. Yeah. Hey friends, interrupting this conversation for just a quick second to tell you about something that I am literally obsessed with. So I think it's very clear I have an entrepreneurial spirit, and I was really noticing that all of my kids are kind of the same way. I stumbled upon this company called Boss Club. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. I had not. I bought this self-guided course with my own money. This is not sponsored. I am just that obsessed. I bought this course for kids and it says it's our fast track startup system that has over 100 videos walking you through steps A through Z of the business creation and launch process. We'll help you come up with launch and run your very own business idea and make real sales. Listen, we went through like the very first two or three videos and I was immediately obsessed with this course. So they also have a Christian uh, faith-based aspect that you can incorporate, which I chose to do. So not only is it teaching my kids like things in business that I don't even know, like there is just so many aspects. This is a really deep dive into everything your kids need to know to launch a business. Um, but it's also teaching them like biblical aspects. So like one thing that really stood out to me was he was telling the kids, he said, don't think that you just have to be a pastor or a missionary to have an impact on the kingdom of God. Like where your heart is for running a business, like you can still do so much good in the world and for God's kingdom. And that's the type of stuff that is just embedded through this whole course. I'm gonna be honest, we're only a quarter of the way through this entire course, but I am so obsessed that I had to tell you guys about it. So I reached out to them and I actually got a 10% off code for you guys. So if you go to bossclub.com and you can choose from any of the courses that they have, if you use the coupon code BOLDLY in all caps, it should give you 10% off. The course that we got was the self-guided course. I think it was $297 worth every single penny. Like if you have kids that are interested in being entrepreneurs whatsoever, or honestly, even if they are not, this feels like one of the most valuable things I have ever done for my kids. And I just, I was like, I have to tell everyone I know about this because I feel like this is literally going to change my kids' future and their success. And we are getting foundation set right now. Now it does say that the course is for like, I think 11 to 17 year olds. And my oldest is only 10 and my youngest is five. So we are going through it, all of us together, talking about every video. But I gotta tell you, all three of my kids are really interested in it and picking up on basically everything. Like there's some things that my five-year-old, it's kind of going over her head. But for the most part, my kids are so intrigued. They already have their business idea. They've made uh, like all the financial decisions They know what their profit margin needs to be. They know what their input costs are. Like, it's just crazy. So I had to tell you guys about it. So I will put a link in the show notes below or just go to bossclub.com and use the coupon code BOLDLY in all caps. All right, now back to our conversation. So talking about obedience, you said something in there. And I feel like sometimes people think obedience is like this, like, like a bad word, you know, or something. So a year and a half ago, we, so we used to go on custom harvest. So we took our combine and all of our equipment and Jake would be gone from about May to there was one year he pulled the combines in the driveway, December 23rd. So oh, like wow. eight months. Yeah. And it, but it, it was saving the farm. I mean, he inherited a sixth generation farm. His dad was killed in a car wreck when he was 18. So he mm-hmm. took over a whole farm at 18 years old. Right.
1: Wow. And
0: all, and all the debt that comes with it. And, you know, yeah, I mean, you're familiar with that. And the the custom harvesting was literally saving the farm. I mean, it was digging us out of debt. And he was missing the kids grow up though. We've got three young kids. And um, he's wanted to custom harvest since he was a little boy, like literally his whole life. He was living his dream. But me and the kids couldn't go with him full time because mm. I was taking care of cows and stuff here. And right, so we'd right. go back and forth. And last March, I believe it was, he was sitting at the dining room table and we were talking about how we were going to make Harvest work this year. We were going to need to buy like another combine and all of this. And he said, I need to sell the combine. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, that's how we pay our bills. And in, in the span of like one week, our whole lives changed. Wow. I, I mean, he. I was like, you love Harvest. You don't want to give this up. And... I, finally, I said, you need to pray about it because I can't imagine any door that God could open in this small rural town to replace Harvest. The next day, he was standing in line at co-op and some random friend behind him that he hadn't seen in like six months said, hey, this is really random, but there is a guy looking for a ranch manager and you need to call him.
1: And No way.
0: I'm, I'm not even kidding you. It was the most wild two weeks of our lives. No and way. Yeah, and I mean, it the the way that like God showed up, like I still, a year and a half later, I'm like, no way that actually happened. Like it was, (laughs) I mean, every day it was something and we went and met them in person and it was, I mean, they are the most godly, incredible people. I mean, they're our friends now and it's just, it's wild. But we had not been officially offered the job yet. And it was like, actually, I think it was the morning before we were offered the job. We were at church, and there was some missionary friends that come like once a year, and they were at church. and so this whole time, we had been talking about harvest and the new job opportunity in that order. This missionary, she walks up to me. I haven't spoken to her in a year. She walks up and she said, "I know this is crazy, but God is telling me to tell you to choose option two. Option what? two was the new job. Yeah. Like two hours later, we got the call where he was like, "I want you to take the job." And I'm like, what? So, I mean, just like stuff like that. But the moral of the whole story, that was the absolute hardest yes we have ever given God because I'm like, that was the biggest risk of our lives. Like saying, yeah, we're going to risk the whole farm on this one thing. What if we're not hearing from God? What if we're hearing from Him wrong? But just, I, I think people who are scared of telling God yes is number one, I've never regretted being obedient. You know, mm. like it's not always easy. Not that it's
1: easy, but yeah. yeah.
0: But like in the end, it's like, I can't think of a time where I've regretted it, even if it's been really hard. But like you said, once you start saying yes,
1: I feel My like well, story like that. So, five months before our daughter came to live with us, I was up in Portland writing the book that I'm pitching now on, on uh-huh. different podcasts. And a woman came up to me. I mean, she's never met me in her life. I'm in Portland, Oregon, I live in Virginia. And she says, "Uh, I just need to tell you that uh, I have a word from the Lord for you. I was like, okay. And she's like, (laughs) "Uh, the word is father. This year, your word is father. And I was like, this lady doesn't know I've had all three versions of a vasectomy to make sure I don't become a father. (laughs) Uh, We weren't trained in foster care. We weren't trying to adopt or nothing. So, yeah, So I I, I hear you. There's tons of stories like that.
0: God's crazy like that. So tell me if you agree with this. I kind of have had this like saying in my head over the last like year or so as we keep like stepping more and more out into obedience, but I feel like what we tell our fear really starts to become a habit. And if we mm. if we start letting our fear win and saying no, 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 it it becomes a habit and then it gets easier to tell God no. But if we start saying like yes and taking steps out even if we're afraid, not necessarily that it gets easier, to step out but that we have more boldness to say yes i don't know do you do you find that true in like your adventures because maybe that's a little bit different
1: yeah so i don't i don't personify fear like that i don't talk to fear that way so the two, the people okay. i'm talking to in that conversation are god and myself okay uh, going well you've done this before and lived you know <laughs> yeah yeah uh, or you've done something similar to this and not gotten hurt Yeah, I think if we're talking to Jesus on an intimate level and then listening. So one of the things I think is important is that at least half of our prayer time, there's not us talking. Mm -hmm. And you you are responding on a regular basis. It's not about saying yes or no to your fears, but saying yes or no to God. And so do you believe that God's a good God? Which, I mean, that was a big hurdle for me with the faith system I grew up in. He was always angry. He was always waiting to pounce. You know, he was always, um, it was a very superstitious faith. And so one of the things of being a dad that I've learned is no, man, I love my kid. (laughs) Like I, I I might have to correct her every once in a while, but my love supersedes that. And so, um, yeah. So then it goes, well, if Jesus loves me and, um, he, he's prompted me to give to this missionary or to go talk to this stranger or whatever, not that it'll turn out the way I'll be able to put it in a book someday, but I trust that he knows what he's doing, you know? And, I would say more times than not, he proves himself faithful. You know.
0: Yeah. So it's just basically you're, we're putting Jesus above our fear. Instead of putting all of the focus on the fear that we have to walk through, we're putting our focus on Jesus and that he's oh, where he's calling us, basically.
1: Yeah, I, I read and I, I can't remember who it was. And I, I apologize. Last week, I read someone who explained this really well, uh, is on Instagram of all places. But they said when all the places in the Bible where it says "fear not" or whatever, it wasn't that. The angel, or Jesus, or the prophet, or whoever was saying "Fear not," was chastising the person. It was kind of like when your kid is scared in the back seat, you know, on a rainstorm, you're driving home or whatever, and you're like, "It's okay, buddy. It's okay. I got this." Right? Or, or you oh. know, we've got that. That's what it was. It's, it's not that he was saying you're wrong for having fear, because in almost all of those situations, I have gone through and analyzed all of them, but in a lot of the big ones, particularly in the New Testament, you go, "Oh yeah, I would have been scared." If I was a 13-year-old Mary and this like archangel from heaven shows up mm-hmm. and tells me you're going to get pregnant without a dude, yeah, I'd be freaked the yeah. heck out, right? <laughs> so it's not that we're not spo- – again, Jesus embodied our humanity and, and showed different emotions. It said Jesus wept even before he raised Lazarus from the dead. He he embraced the emotions of the moment. So it's not that he's saying don't be scared. He's saying I got this. Hey, buddy, <laughs> you know, or whatever whatever term of endearment you call your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 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 I, I'm here. I you don't have to worry, I've got that. And um, and so I take stock in that, that over time God keeps proving that he outdreams me, that obedience is worth it. Um, it's not easy and it's cost me dignity, it's cost me time, it's cost me energy, money, all the above. But uh, I've found it rewarding. And so when we focus on the reward and the relationship, right? I just want to spend time. that's the other thing is I've done scary things and go, oh, but I want to spend time with so and so. And they love this and They've never gotten hurt doing this. So this must be a thing for them. And then you experience, you go, oh, well, that's why they love this. Jeez, yeah. I want more of this. And, I, and then I think of like four friends I want to invite, you know? And so that happens in our faith. When we overcome something and obey, we go, oh, I know three people who could hear this story. and Maybe they would do the same kind of obedience.
0: Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So we talked a little bit earlier about like social media. You... <laughs> my my toes were stepped on because I was like, oh, I struggle with this same thing. Talking about how easy it is to almost edit your personal brand online, you know? And you even said in here about, oh, talking about trying to find it in here. Okay, you asked the question of whether I'm using Jesus for my brand or my brand for Him. <laughs> like, I think every person who has a platform or whatever, even if you don't, I guess. Like, man, that's a hard question, right? Like, I've struggled with that for so long. And literally this morning, I was having conversations with some of my friends, like wrestling through this and my words were, I don't want my faith to be a niche. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be known as like the Christian influencer. I want it to be my foundation. And talking about like, it's such a blurry line. So I guess, how have you... How have you walked through that? What are your thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> yes, t- to be very, very candid. Uh, that book, Scared to Life, was actually very hard to write because my primary wrestle was that question. It's easy for me to tell stories. When you've done stuff all over the world like what I've done, man, I can I can segue into conversations like anything with something cool that applies, you know? And I didn't want to do that with this book. I didn't want this to be a highlight reel of my life. Um, one, I don't think... I don't think it would uh, have the uptake. I don't think people would be writing me the feedback that I've been getting from people who read this about being challenged in their faith or in their vulnerability or whatever. So I, I, in writing, I was trying to find common ground with all the readers. And I would say 99% of the readers are not going to do the stuff that I do in this book. So that was part of it. But that has been the central tension of my entire time on social media, my blogging, all of that. And so it's come down to a question of going who makes better out of this deal, Jesus or me and who's using whom. Right. And so um, I've had times where I've had to not post something or change the captions or um, go talk to a counselor first or go talk to my pastor. I remember one time, Uh, My pastor was talking about how we can worship legacy. And that's a huge thing for me. we tend to think that that's noble, but in my case, it's not. Like, I want to have more people at my funeral than at anybody else's funeral, right? Like, I want people to react like the Queen of England just died. (laughs) And you can, I I constantly make decisions on, oh, I want that person to only remember me a certain way. Anyway, he preached a sermon on putting that on the altar. I say, even put our legacy on the altar. And I came to talk to him after the service. He said, yeah, yeah, Ryan, I can see. I've traveled with you. This could be a thing. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go on a grand adventure, not take a single picture or video and not post anything about it. That's your assignment. My next adventure was epic. (laughs) It was so fun. (laughs) Of course. Uh, And I got to do it with one of my mentors. And uh, I actually wrote a little bit about it in the book because I had had damaged our friendship and he invited me on this grand adventure as a way to say, I forgive you, right? So this is huge relational moment. And I have no pictures I I can show you. I have no video. There's nothing online. Nobody but me and him and my wife at the time knew it was even happening. And what you find out is you go, oh, this ache, I feel this like, oh, I wish I could post this. Well, now that becomes a filter. So when I go to post, is this to make me look good? Or is this to make Jesus look good? Or is this to help someone else feel seen? So one of my little sisters, I have four sisters. And one of them is an Enneagram 8. And she just says things like they are. I love that about her. And she said... (laughs) Ryan, one of the things about you is, you know, you do a lot of these things out of insecurity to make yourself feel better about yourself. But so many times when you post this online, you make other people feel less than because they don't do the things that you do. So find a way to, to do it to where you don't make other people feel less than. And so that changed how I write my captions, even the content, the, what I put on the blog, everything to go. How do I make this applicable to all kinds of people? How do I let people into the turmoil and the, and the malignant, uh, motivations in my heart for doing this? How do I open all that up and make it a human experience rather than a, Hey, look at Ryan and let's, you know, and it becomes easier and easier to notice. I would, um, I would put money down. I would put the price of one of your red Angus's on the line <laughs> that when you look at certain pictures on Instagram, you can tell if that person is insecure or not. Yeah. Right. Like you look at it post and go, oh, she's fishing for this specific thing. Or oh, mm-hmm. he's wanting us to know this. Or this is the deficiency in his life that he's compensating for with X. Right. Mm-hmm. I, we do this all the time. I I again I lead a ministry of dudes, and there's a whole bunch of dudes that show up in jacked up pickup trucks, you know, with huge lift kits and all that. And I, <laughs> I have a lift kit on one of my vehicles, so I'm not busting on lift kits, but we know like they've got the They've got all these certain accessories to let you know that they're a specific person. Like, oh, they're compensating for whatever. I was compensating Mm -hmm. for bullies telling me I was less than and I wasn't worthy to breathe or ask a girl out. Mm -hmm. Right. I was and I can look at people's social media posts. You probably can too, and go. Oh, this is this is what they want us to say. This Mm -hmm. is what they're hoping we feel. And so then once you do that, then you just turn the filter and the, the lens around on yourself and go, oh, that's why I was doing this. And to give permission to other people to speak into that. I had a friend one time, I posted a picture uh, from my, I used to play basketball in the mornings with some guys pick up at the Y and I got new basketball shoes. And he's like, you know, I saw that post on social media and you really made sure your shoes were front and center in that shot. <laughs> now, I It was actually inadvertent. I said, mm-hmm. those are actually $40 basketball shoes, which in terms of basketball shoes, those are embarrassing. Right. I said, but I give you permission to call that out right? Because yeah. if you go, oh, Ryan's compensating for this, mm-hmm. uh, that means that Jesus isn't being seen. Ryan's insecurities are being seen. And so I want to get rid of that.
0: Oh, that's helpful. I'm like thinking of all my posts, like my <laughs> past posts, because I I, mean, I've been pretty open that I've struggled with insecurity. I mean, I was bullied. I've, I've always struggled with that insecurity. And I couldn't think of, you know, I've, it's kind of like you. I've had captions I've had to delete. I've had whole posts that I've had to delete where it was like <laughs> that was that was just a little too obvious what was you know happening there. So I think that's really helpful when you look at it through the lens of that filter. But and I mean, when you, you start said to be ex-
1: vulnerable and, and to express things through a filter of joy and enthusiasm, which is easy for me. So I'm an Enneagram seven. We're like the ooh, people of every <laughs> the, yeah. So, but to point out, hey, look at this beautiful human moment. What is it in this moment that we are all seeing? And you can see that on the posts that go viral. I can't speak to TikTok, but on like Facebook and Instagram. Like the things that go viral are these beautiful human things. You go, mm-hmm. that's hilarious. That's what every parent thinks in that situation. You nailed it or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And you fully captured our humanity. Uh, I, that's how I know that it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to post when it's celebrating what all of us bring to the table rather than just what I bring to the table
0: hmm All the posts I've had go viral are the posts I never thought would go viral. The ones right? that just randomly, <laughs> like, randomly in my car, like, typed a quick caption. You know, the ones that you sit down and, like, you really think through it, they just flop. And I'm like and that seems how it always is. But you've said a couple times, you know, like, you didn't write this book for necessarily all the people that want to chase the same types of mm-hmm. adventures that you do. So, you did a great job at that. So like, I just awesome. want to tell anyone who's listening that you did a great job at that because I didn't feel like that. I'm I'm not totally finished with it yet. I am like soaking it in, but I, I never felt like you were telling me I had to go jump off an airplane. You know, I, <laughs> you you did a good job at that. at conveying that and the lessons that are, that are just deep within it. But I want to know what, I know this is like the most probably question you get asked, but what do you want someone to walk away with after they read it?
1: So I didn't plan for this. This wasn't my original goal, but it was one of the original feedback I got. And now that's what I want as the goal of the book. (laughs) And so uh, one of the first reviews said, this book gave me the courage to be vulnerable with another person. Oh, yeah. And so if that's true for you, if you're like, man, I've been burned when I've opened up and told people about some things going on. uh, I just want to encourage you to give it one more shot. Uh, Maybe do some homework before you unveil, maybe hire a counselor. Uh, this morning, that was the appointment that we had to schedule this around. And I go to a counseling every week at this hour. That opened up a whole bunch of things because once you tell the story the first time, then you can tell it to your next circle of friends, to your next circle of friends, to the point where my next book that's getting shopped around now to publishers is like very deep into what my youth was like and what I overcame to follow Jesus. That book couldn't happen if I hadn't had all the conversations that I had to write this one, and if that wouldn't mm. have happened if I hadn't talked to a counselor and got healthy reasons for doing these things, and that wouldn't happen if I wasn't honest with my wife as where I was emotionally several years ago. And so, yeah, if if you can read this book and go, I just need twenty seconds of courage to to schedule that appointment or to ask that person out to coffee or whatever it is, um, then you've got the price of my book for sure. And by the way, I don't make a dime off this book. It all goes to help uh, girls who are in schools in conflict zones. So um, don't buy it for me. Buy it for some young lady that you hope gets to learn to read and write where it's usually not legal to do so.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, first of all, let me know when that second book is ready so we can have you back on because this sure. was a fun conversation. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it again for your next book. You um, and lastly, just tell everyone where they can find you and go follow along.
1: Yeah. So the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram. That's uh, at Ryplane. That's R-Y-P-L-A-N-E. And in the bio, there's a link to all my stuff, my blog posts, uh, my email subscription list, my podcast. I have a podcast called Everyday Adventures. Uh, to the audiobook. Some people like the audiobook better than the print one because you get to hear me cry trying to read it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and there's talks. I don't know if we've got it yet in there, but we're trying to get it into the Hoopla app so that the people who uh, read and listen to books through your library, and we're still working to get it into that app. But yeah, you can find me at RyePlane. And then, of course, on Facebook, I'm Ryan George. I stayed up till midnight, the night that they made it possible for you to secure your name on Facebook way back in like 2008. So I have Facebook.com forward slash Ryan George if you're looking for me.
0: That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And this was a really fun conversation that I think people are going to really get a lot out of.
1: Awesome. I had a blast. Thanks for having me.
0: Friends, I hope that you loved this episode of the podcast. If you have been enjoying these episodes, it would be so, so helpful to us if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. This is extremely helpful for new people being able to find the podcast, which allows us to keep producing these episodes that hopefully encourage you and bless you. And I hope that you are truly boldly pursuing where God has called you this week. Until next week, friends, see ya.